0: Blackstone, CEO and chairman. That's, of course, Steve Schwartzman. Steve, thank you so much taking time out of your world tour to talk with us here in Paris. Um, look, we are here in Paris. We're here in Europe the week after an ECB hike rates confronted with sticky inflation, weaker growth. The risk is constantly changing. How do you think about risk in this European region?
1: Well, I think Europe is slowing down. Uh, it's pretty clear that there are certain countries, for example, Germany, where I was yesterday, you know, where growth is uh, slightly negative. Uh, I'm in France today, uh, we've got uh, expansion of our office here uh, and France is doing the best uh, of the European countries uh, and I think has been the biggest beneficiary uh, of Brexit. Uh, I think the government's done a great job making uh, France attractive, Paris uh, attractive. Uh, but as, as the central bank uh, continues to raise interest rates, no one ever knows where these things stop. Uh, you know, it's certainly suppressing uh, growth, so I think it's a reasonable expectation uh, for Europe over the next year uh, to have pretty muted uh, performance
0: does the ECB need to stop soon for fear of it not just being muted but a full-on recession
1: well that 's up to Christine, uh, not to me, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I, I think the inflation's still pretty high here mm. uh, it 's in the fives uh, and y- you can 't stay uh, at that level mm. uh, and so the central bank typically would do what it needs to do uh, to lower that.
0: Steve ever the diplomat. One, one source of support for Europe, though, that we don't have, that we thought we would have at the start of the year is China. We came into the year thinking China would be this huge source of global growth. Now we're just hoping for more large-scale stimulus. Have your assumptions about China changed this year?
1: Well, I, I think they did change. Uh, I was in China in uh, uh, April, and my expectation Uh, was that there would be a pretty rapid bounce back. Uh, But what I found uh, was that people really had had a tough time uh, over the last uh, three and a half years. Uh, They had had a real estate crisis for a while, uh, and that became more pronounced as they uh, actually had to meet maturities. Uh, And the Chinese people tend to put 80 to 90% of their savings uh, into real estate. So when real estate goes down, it really takes away confidence because nobody likes spending a lot of money as their net worth is going down. It's just not how humans work, whether they're Chinese or any other place. Uh, And and so it's difficult for China now in the face of that uh, to have the kind of rapid growth rates that we're having. And uh, Europe has been a big uh, exporter uh, to uh, China. Mm -hmm. Uh, China has provided, you know, over the last 10 years or so before uh, COVID, you know, probably half of the world's growth.
0: So what does the opportunity set look like for Blackstone in China then? Is there still opportunity or do you need to wait?
1: I I think most people, uh, including the Chinese, Uh, are taking a a wait-and-see type of approach. One of the things with China uh, is they often make mistakes, uh, but they typically don't continue making them, Uh, and they they, they don't have a lot of pride in wrong decisions, Uh, and they're practical. Uh, And so it's, in a way, a matter of time uh, before they make uh, the appropriate adjustments and start growing again. But in the short term, uh, I think it's going to be uh, somewhat difficult.
0: Steve, if I can take you back around four decades, when you founded Blackstone, just $400,000 in pocket and capital, to now $1 trillion, how do you get to the next $1 trillion?
1: Well, we just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, I, I, I didn't realize that $1 trillion was an ending point of some. It
0: certainly so, sounds nice. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it's, it's nice you know, when you start with nothing. Uh, we've got a market cap now of uh, $140 billion. We're the fifth largest financial uh, company in the United States after uh, J.P. Morgan and Bank America and Wells Fargo, and we're not a bank, and and, and the fourth one's Morgan Stanley. We're seven billion uh, uh, dollars um, short of Morgan Stanley at the moment. Uh, so hopefully, at some point, you know, we'll be the fourth largest, uh, and the only non-bank uh, to do that. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't manage anything to a number. Uh, we're in the business of creating great products. For for institutions and individuals, mm. so that they can perform better than all other alternatives uh, with safety. Uh, that's what we do.
0: Well, S- with so, that number, you definitely get more attention, though, and perhaps even more scrutiny. Jamie Dimon, for example, specifically called out Blackstone, talked about your industry altogether, but Blackstone's saying you'd be dancing in the street about new banking regulation, that you would step in and do more lending, more private credit. Is he right? Were you dancing in the street well, after more banking regulations Steve? you?
1: I, I like going dancing regularly, but not in streets. Uh, so so uh, we're just doing what we have been doing uh, for a while, and, and it's been very safe. Uh, for um, our, our customers, very good uh, performance with all of our debt uh, products. Um, as we look to the future, uh, credit uh, has been the most rapidly growing part of our business for the last uh, three years. Uh, and, and to some degree, uh, that, that's helped by central banks, uh, increasing uh, the rates. So credit is now very competitive uh, with other equity-type mm. Uh, of products, and it has the virtue of being um, much safer uh, than um, than some of the, some of the equity products. But these things uh, actually um, are cyclical, mm-hmm. and when interest rates go down, the real estate is really going to pop uh, in terms of value and and and, and growth, uh, and and it'll also positively affect. Uh, private equity. Hmm. So, so for those of us who've, who've been through at least six cycles, uh, you know, you look at all of this with a little bit of balance, uh, and, and I, I think uh, we're going to have a lot of opportunities uh, for the firm to be growing.
0: To, to that point, I mean, you have a lot of men and women investing right now who have never lived with 5.5%. You, you've lived with it. you lived through higher rates. What do they need to understand? about investing right now in a higher rate regime
1: well I think I think you start thinking about alternatives uh, in the sense um, and I mean uh, alternatives within different things that, that, that you can do that that you know you can invest in uh, certain credit products and get a 10 11 12 uh, percent return with very high levels of safety you, you, you learn that um, when interest rates go up, uh, certain things you thought were wonderful become unappealing. Uh, you know, some of the super high-tech uh, companies where people were buying them at multiples of revenue. I, I always know that that's a bad moment uh, when somebody tells you you can buy something at 10 times revenues and the market's trading at 15, so you've got to bargain. The fact is it won't hold that value when interest rates go up. So you have to learn what fundamental value is. Uh, I know that sounds old-fashioned, but the people who don't do it really suffer. Uh, A lot of the venture stuff is down 50%. I I think some of it's down a lot further. And and so you you learn to be in touch uh, with, with more what's safe with growth. Uh, as opposed to just anything works. Mm. For for some period of time, everything did work.
0: Are, are we still overvalued, though, in those pockets that you're concerned about? Or has the valuations coming down in the venture space, has that normalized now? Are you still concerned we're still askew with fundamentals?
1: Well, I, I think we're probably still a little optimistic. You have to get through a cycle uh, to see... Uh, you know, where, where things will really be worth. Uh, a lot of venture business, uh, where I'm not an expert, mm-hmm. um, but it, it struck me that ever-increasing markups with no cash flow, ultimately, every time I've seen it, that stuff really goes down, and, and we're in that cycle.
0: How steep of a downturn are you expecting in this cycle in terms of a recession? Are you expecting one? Are you preparing for one?
1: I I think we're going to do pretty well this time. Um, You know, we have very low um, unemployment uh, in the United States. Um, And that kind of environment is tough to have a serious uh, uh, recession. What
0: about a fiscal accident causing something?
1: Well, you you can always have a trigger that really affects markets, uh, which will affect uh, an economy. We're running uh, huge deficits. Uh, And, you know, we have more fiscal problems than we do normal business cycle problems.
0: Mm. Steve, you're asked very frequently about who you're supporting for the GOP. And I don't want to ask you that because I know you frequently say I'm looking towards the next generation. I want to ask about the next generation. Do you see that, rising stars? Are you optimistic that there are those there who can carry the mantle?
1: I've learned uh, there's always people who appear uh, who you had no expectation. So, so when Barack Obama uh, was elected as senator, um, it was, wasn't even within a year before he started running for president, and he became president soon thereafter. Uh, you know, There are other people uh, who will come and do that. Uh, American politics, I've found, at the presidential level, is pretty volatile. Uh, the people you think are going to win, uh, whether it was uh, Hillary uh, in 2016, and they didn't win. Uh, other other people who were no place, um, you know, they, they end up winning. Uh, and you know, um, in, in 2015, about where we are now uh, for a presidential election for the Republicans, uh, you, you had the governor of uh, uh, Wisconsin in first place. You had Jeb Bush in second place. Uh, You you had Rudy Giuliani uh, in third place. And and by the time there were two or three primaries, they were all gone. Uh, And somebody named Donald Trump won who wasn't even in the game. Uh, and, And so I think all the straight line predictions uh, of, of what's going to happen, uh, I, I sort of um, just sit back and say, I've seen a lot of volatility in my life of what the public wants. Uh, you know. Uh, apparently the public is not that interested uh, in uh, really right. older people. Right. Uh, I think there was a survey that said 77% of the people didn't want Biden to run yeah. again. Uh, And and so when you have that kind of um, situation, usually something else happens.
0: Right. Well, Steve, I I, I hate to put it in this light, but you're only a few years younger than the current president and the former president. How are you thinking about your legacy right now?
1: Geez, I don't think about legacy. Uh, You know, I I may be a little delusional. I still think (laughs) I'm younger than apparently you do. Uh, And... uh, so, so as long as I have uh, really high levels uh, of energy, and I'm fortunate enough to have a simply amazing person, John Gray, uh, who's president of the firm, who does stuff that I used to be doing, uh, you know, I, I love what I do, it's fascinating, um, you know, it's global, uh, we're learning all kinds of things every day. Uh, plus I have a very uh, interesting philanthropic uh, Mm -hmm. life and uh, also involved uh, in the political world. So, so for me, those three things uh, certainly uh, beat retirement. Well, what would I do? Yeah. Uh, you know, this is so stimulating. Yeah. Plus, if I get a chance to meet you. I'm here in Paris. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a certain enthusiasm, if you will.
0: Steve, I, I may be a millennial, but I know age is just a number. Don't don't worry. <laughs> Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we're out of time. A pleasure to speak with you, Steve Schwartzman. There.